Welcome to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I am your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. On this show, we talk spirituality for the rest of us with a focus on the art of beautifying all facets of your life, using heritage, culture, beauty by hand, ancestral traditions, and old world style as means to do so. Welcome back, folks. It is episode eight of season four, and it's taken me a little bit to get here. It usually does, but we're here and it makes me feel accomplished. (laughs) I'm back with a really terrific guest that I'm going to introduce you to in a moment here. I'm recording this uh, after July 4th, the week of, but uh, July 4th was earlier this week. It is really hot here in New York. We are in the thick of it, that is for sure. I am starting to pull up the garlic from the garden that I planted in the fall, and it's looking really pretty, and I'm really excited about that as well. And what else? We went down to the shore this weekend, spent some time with my family, took Angelo swimming in the ocean and in the bay, and it was really a wonderful time, and I'm going to be talking about this more over on Substack. You can find my Substack by clicking the link in the show notes. It's My uh, publication is called The Tradition of Living Beautifully. And I'll be talking about this more there as well as probably on Instagram, which is trying to savor the summer. We all know and we all say it is so fleeting. And I am determined for the next two, two and a half months to just lower the energy on, I have to get all this done, my to-do list, X, Y, and Z, and just enjoy the time with my son and my husband. I want to be even more creative, take even more photographs, journal, sew, and just enjoy a more relaxed pace because it will be winter again before we know it. So if you want to kind of come along with me on that journey, definitely head over to Substack, subscribe, find me over at uh, Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto over on Instagram. And let's try and enjoy this summer and enjoy the moments of our lives. Okay, before I tell you about my guest, I'm just going to give you some reminders about the sponsors who make this show possible. My friends, House of Tokamen is not just a sponsor of Bella Figura. They are a friend. The owner, Annabelle, is somebody that I speak to regularly. I text her questions constantly about my new chickens because if you've been listening to the show for a little bit here, you know that Annabelle has a homestead and she has way more chickens and other animals as well as children (laughs) than I have and she's always gracious in giving me advice and tips which I of course as a new chicken owner desperately need but more importantly Annabelle's work is our work the work that she does sourcing vintage handmade rugs from around the world is valuing the things that I and I know that so many of you listening value 
We want our homes to be as natural as possible, which is really hard to do in today's day and age because as we talk about so often on the show, everything is toxic. Everything has something in it that we don't want. So a lot of times we need to look to the past. These rugs, like other antiques, like other vintage items, they already exist in the world. They get cleaned up, they get prettied up, and they get shipped directly to your door. You can swap them out for the big box store rugs you may have in your home. And listen, they are an investment. Like anything vintage and enduring and timeless, it's an investment. But what I've been doing is swapping out my rugs as I can, a little bit at a time. And let me tell you, when I'm laying on the rug on the ground with my son reading a book or playing with his toys and rolling around and laughing together, I am so grateful that I'm laying on a vintage, natural, non-toxic rug that's handmade, which is something I really believe in. Annabelle generously offering 25% off any order by using the code ABELLA25 for all of my listeners. Check her out at hotrugs.net and use the code BELLA25 for 25% off. Okay, my friends, time to introduce you to today's guest. Her name is Jill Winger. Jill Winger is the founder of The Prairie Homestead, an online space with over 1 million monthly visits dedicated to helping people learn how to grow their own food and opt out of the rat race, regardless of where they live. In 2019, she published her best-selling cookbook, The Prairie Homestead Cookbook, which was an Amazon editor's pick and won Best Cookbook in the 30th Annual Reading the West Book Awards given by the Mountains and Plains Independent Booksellers Association. She is host of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, which has amassed more than 5 million downloads since its inception. She and her family also run Genuine Beef Company, which ships grass-finished beef nationwide, as well as the Chugwater Soda Fountain. She has been featured in Urban Farm, Farm and Ranch Living, Cowgirl Magazine, Women's Day, HuffPost, The Wall Street Journal, Wyoming PBS, People, and BuzzFeed. She resides on the Wyoming Prairie with her husband, three children, and more farm animals than she can count. All right, I think you guys are going to love this conversation. Jill is definitely one of our people, and we really, really enjoyed speaking to one another. So without further ado, let's jump on in. All right, Jill, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat today. We're speaking, uh, you're in Wyoming, and I'm all the way on the other side of the country in New York. So as I like to point out, the rare, (laughs) I shouldn't say rare, but the few and far between uh, benefits of technology. Are things yeah. like this. Isn't it crazy? We, we don't even blink, but I mean, it's, yeah, when you really break it down, it's wow, that's pretty incredible. And then we have it, a good connection and I can see you clearly and all the things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's really a whole new world. So the, yep. the good comes with the bad. That's for sure. Yes. I love to start every show by asking my guests to tell me a bit about their roots and the people that they come from. Yeah. So um, a lot of people, just because of, you know, they're aware of my presence online, they assume I come from a long line of uh, agricultural folk or ranch folk. 
actually I, I don't, or maybe I do in my distant past, but mm-hmm. my, my immediate family were, were pretty just standard American. Um, I was raised like a standard American nineties kid, little neighborhood, all the normal food and nothing really that different. I was homeschooled. So that was made me a little bit of a, a weirdo. And I say that maybe that did it. But, but yeah, I was very pretty conventional in my mindset and my ways of moving through life. Um, and then when I moved to Wyoming, kind of, it shook me up and changed mm. everything, but yeah. And how did you like, was Wyoming a change because you were starting to want to live a certain way or was it, you know, for something else? And then all of this, the rest of it came with it. Yeah. So I, I've always been into horses, you know, did you know mm. any weird horse girls growing up, you know, like they gallop everywhere and they like, all <laughs> Like, I didn't, but I used to read yes. like the Cranberry Cousins and one of one of the books that sticks out still to this day from me being like 10 what had to do with horses. So yeah. I feel like as young girls, there's like an element of horses that really like it's part of the whole, I don't know, little girl, young girl. It really is. And some of us are lucky enough to actually ride them. I was like a, a immigrant kid of Italian parents. Like we were not going on horses. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so I, I was definitely the weird horse girl. And I, okay. I, I got, I got a horse. I had to like use my babysitting money to buy it when I was 14. Oh, and then, wow. Yeah. That's really we, cool. We boarded it down the road. So it was like a whole thing. But, um, when I turned 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And everyone was trying to like, kind of shove me into the typical college path. And it just felt really bad yeah. to me, all those things. And so the only thing I knew I was really passionate about was the horses. And so I came mm-hmm. to Wyoming to attend a little community college that had an equine program. And so I think I didn't know it then, but what I see as happening now is that that was kind of my first breaking out of the norm because I come from a college town and all of my friends were going to the university in that town. Like, obviously, why wouldn't you? And here I was moving 1200 miles away um, to Wyoming of all places. And I was going to do an equine science, just like weird. Right. And so that was kind of my first break from the conventional path. And then I see that as kind of a foreshadowing. It gave me the oomph the confidence to start questioning other things and kind of going down now what I call the homesteading path or this intentional living path, which came a little bit later. And so that was kind of that first step that got me out of my, the safety of my hometown and into a new world. So you're like the young girl. I kind of wish I had been, <laughs> you're like the, my doppelganger that never was, you know, um, <laughs> because to me, I would have dreamt of, for instance, horses but to be 14 and save your babysitting money and be like, I'm going, I want a horse, mommy and daddy. Yeah. You, <laughs> I, I mean, I wish I had yeah. been more like that. I, I, I kind of have, I kind of have a, um, you know, there's like these little streaks of regret and, and mm-hmm. it's that I was not more convicted and strong willed outwardly. I think I, I had kept like a lot of it in. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. And it's interesting you say that because I did that in other in other senses, mm. just with some other other pieces of my life. I was very much always trying to be the good girl, always trying to follow the rules. And so yeah. it was almost uncharacteristic for me to do something as wild and crazy as moving to Wyoming. It still oh, felt wow. safe within some of my other cultural boundaries. But I think I honestly think it was it was just part of my calling that I even I even did it because it was just like that first domino to kind of get me to, to question the good girl paradigm and to question the rule following paradigm, which then translated into, you know, I live a very unconventional life now, but I kind of need that. So yeah, it's it's an interesting paradox for me. And I think a lot of people, I think in our culture, especially we, we live within that, you know, 
that's not possible for me. People like me don't do things like that. So that's a really, it's a hard narrative to break through. Hmm. I'm glad I brought it up then. Cause to hear you say like, that was actually uncharacteristic of me. Yeah. Maybe it was just something that like could not be put out. Yeah. You horses, know, I, yeah, the horses, I mean, I've always been, I have a little bit of an obsessive personality type A kind of like, and I think the horses <laughs> were that one thing that I'm like, I'm going to defy all logic and just do this. Cause I can't stop thinking about it, but yeah. Wow. So that's how this all started. So then you end up in Wyoming and then one piece starts fitting into another. Yeah. Basically. I met, I met my husband and we didn't know what, what this, you know, farming lifestyle or homesteading lifestyle was, but um, we had to have property for the horses that we had. We were sure. young and broke and newlywed. And so we're like, we can't live in town next to Walmart, like everyone else. So we have to buy something else. And so we found a tumble down property that we could afford. It was a disaster, but we could afford it and put the horses on it. And so that kind of kickstarted that next piece. I feel like right now it's even hard to do that. Like to find yeah. it's yeah. insane. I mean, we're, my husband and I are pretty big fixer uppers. We've done this before we are good at it. We, I guess we enjoy it. I mean, it's a lot of work, I, yes. you know, but we, even when I look at really nicely done homes that somebody you can tell just went in and redid them, you could walk in, literally turn the key and live in it. There's always a part of me that's like, eh, but like we didn't do it. So it's somebody else's taste. I, I'm not really, doesn't really appeal to me because I didn't put in, Same. right? Like I'm, I'm like, yeah. give it to somebody else. I kind of want yeah. my own I want to be able to change it and make it mine. Yes. But my whole point is uh, it's very hard to even find that now. Just a, something, a lot of land that you can really afford and fix it up yourself. Yeah. And it, it's frustrating because I, you know, people are always wanting to follow in our footsteps and I wish, wish mm. it was easier now, but you know, with the, the real estate, it's, it's tricky. Like we found the fixer upper that no one wanted back in 2008 was when we bought it. But even now I, I can't even fathom what it would have been, what it would cost today, even if it was in that same horrible condition. Exactly. It's just exactly. a lot harder. Yeah. I really hope this ends because it's weird, but I don't know because everything I do is too. I'm so like, surely weird. It's going to correct, right? It has to correct. Does it have to correct? Like, hopefully we've been, something. We've been yeah. waiting for a solid year for it to correct and maybe more. And I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Like everything else. Like everything. It's, yeah. All the things are weird. <laughs> so much weird. All yeah. the things are weird. Things. So your whole platform, you you go by the the tag old fashioned on purpose which is a title I could have chosen for my platform. Yeah. It's perfect. I love it. I'm wondering how you came to that name and all of the work that you're, you're doing now. How did it really get going? You got to Wyoming and then, <laughs> and then, yes. So, um, we bought the property with no grand aspirations to homestead. Cause I didn't know what homesteading was. And so, I mean, the, are, is your audience pretty familiar with that lifestyle? Yes. Do I need to define? Okay. I just nope. if I needed to define <laughs> not okay. at this they're, point. They're yeah. Like, We've had a it. lot of homesteaders on. Okay. Um, and why I don't, I do not call myself a homesteader for, for where I am in New York. I mean, we have some chickens, we garden, I preserve, I can't. So the audience they're with yes, us. Yes, They get it. Okay. <laughs> perfect. They're my, they're my people. They're your so, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it was so 2008, we bought the property. Homesteading was not in the vernacular of culture quite yet. It may be on the fringes, but um, I, when we, when we signed on the dotted line, here we are young, broke newlyweds with a mortgage for the first time. And I had you know, lots of feelings, lots of excitement. I had this urge to make the land productive, or at least mm -hmm. I think I was kind of trying to rationalize our, our crazy decision to buy it. Like I was trying, you know, sure. you buy with emotion and you justify with logic. And so I was like, <laughs> we've got to make, I'm going to cover our mortgage with what I produce from this land. And so, um, 
we, I started on that process of just kind of for the first time ever thinking about food production, like how could I grow vegetables? How could I grow um, eggs and milk? And, you know, one thing led to another. And here we are a few years later, you know, our first child comes and I'm growing all the things and I'm trying all the bread and all of the the vegetables and the canning. And it, and it what I discovered about myself, because I hadn't really liked to cook. I hadn't liked to do domestic things prior to that, but I just oh, love interesting. Yeah. I, I love the creation process. I just like lit me up. It made me feel on fire. I couldn't stop talking about it. The problem was no one around me, friends, family, they, they just didn't care. They're just like, <laughs> don't care about your homemade yogurt, Jill, stop talking about it. So, and so I needed an outlet. I was, you know, home alone with this baby, very few friends isolated from civilization. And so I started a blog Okay, and that was the Prairie Homestead. And for the first, well, I mean, I've been doing it since 2010. So, you know, 13 years, the first half of that, or maybe more than half was really focused on the tangible side of homesteading. Cause there's so many skills to learn. There's so, so much excitement around the farm animals and the, the kitchen skills and the working with your hands. But as I've continued to mature and my knowledge has, has grown, what I've really felt pulled toward in the last couple of years is, you know, I, I love homesteading. I love the skills. I love the culture, but I also know that not everyone can follow in our exact footsteps, whether it's because land is outrageous or right. you know, not everyone wants to move to Wyoming and buy a milk cow. That's just not right. in everyone's bucket list. And so I was like, that these skills and these mindsets around this lifestyle are too important to only be for people who are, are actively living in the country with the, the old McDonald's farm. So I'm like, how can we distill it down? How can we take these principles? And they're, they're time-honored things. These are historical principles. It's nothing that I discovered or any of my homesteading colleagues discovered, but when people bring these principles back into their modern lives, it changes them. They, they transform as people. They walk different. They're more confident. They move through life in a more intentional way. And so I'm like, how can I help weave the old and the new? And so that's where I started to, to ruminate on that concept of old-fashioned on purpose. You know, we're not doing these skills, the cooking, the gardening, the food production. We're not doing it because we don't know any better or because someone told us to or because we're scared of modernity. It's it's a very intentional step of, I, I acknowledge modern life. I acknowledge the benefits of it. I also acknowledge the benefits of the past and I'm bringing them together in a very purposeful way. Oh, so eloquent. I think that resonates with a lot of people listening right now. And Something very remarkable about the last three years, especially, and I would like for you to comment on this, I'm sure your platform, or at least the people coming to your platform, my guess is, has changed since COVID. Yeah, dr drastically. It um, has, right? You, can yeah. you talk a little bit about what you've seen and why you think that is? Yeah, I, I love this question because I am fascinated by this phenomenon. I'm absolutely fascinated by it. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, when COVID started picking up steam in 2020, you know, I make a living content creating. I, I make a living teaching these skills online. And I looked at my husband and I'm like, I don't think I'm going to have a job because people are going to be so concerned about the pandemic and the fear and the stress. Like, who's going to want to grow a garden? Who's going to be making sourdough bread? Like, it's hilarious to think of that now, but I, I yeah. really thought that I'm like, no, one's going to watch YouTubes about chickens. They're going to be trying to, to avoid the virus <laughs> and do all of the virus things. <laughs> and, you know, silly, silly me. And obviously the opposite happens. Everyone knows that, you know, flour, no, no flour available. All the seed companies went out of stock. All the chicken companies went out of stock because people just uh, went nuts over these old fashioned concepts. But what I think happened is I see a pattern throughout humanity and, and it's funny, you saw it during the Great Depression, even though we think of the 20s as um, 
the good old days or the vintage, the actual old, old fashioned times, there was a huge movement of people out of cities back to their rural roots during that period. Um, we saw it again in the 1970s with the back to the land movement when right. there was societal unrest, people, you know, kind of a lot of our, maybe our grandparents or our ancestors were experimenting with gardening and canning. And then we're seeing it again now. Mm. And I think whenever we feel unmoored and shaken up as a culture, we, you know, we, we dabble with modernity, we dabble with technology and progress, but when things get rough, we always go back to our roots. And I think there's something very deeply ingrained in us as humans to seek nature, to seek the soil and to seek that reassurance of, um, just self-sufficiency and knowing we have the skills and capability. And so I think that's what COVID triggered in a lot of people. Um, yeah. Even people who didn't ever have homesteading desires or never thought about it, I think they were looking for that reassurance and stability. And I think that says a lot about um, the benefits of homesteading or that idea as a whole. I feel like I just, I kind of want to just walk away and let you keep talking. <laughs> because you, you very eloquently are capturing so much of what I feel like I talk about in episode after episode. Yeah. And you saw it too with when industrialization really took off. Uh, there were the, the the crafts movement with William Morris yeah. and other artists and creatives who were saying, "Hey guys, listen, this is not necessarily for the best, and we're yes. losing a lot here." I mean, of course, it went full steam ahead right over them, but it's true if you look at history. There's always a subset. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a small one, but there's always a subset that is going against the grain and looking at what's happening and seeing that this is not healthy spiritually, yes. right? Physically, mentally, yes. this isn't working for us. And I completely agree with you. I just think our generation right now, we are those people. Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. We're looking yeah. around and we're saying this modernity, this way the pendulum has swung way too far to one side it's, it's just yes. not working for any of us and one thing i think also happened during covid and the lockdowns was that people rediscovered home yes yes amen right it was just this thing where you're you wake up you just knock the coffee back you get on the bus you go into the city you go to work you come home you know you go eat dinner out all like home was just a place where yeah. you kept your shoes and your clothes. Yeah. And then suddenly it, it's a whole, the whole world is kind of closed down to you and you're looking around your environment thinking, this is what I have. The, these, this home, the people in it, the things in it, and I have to feed myself through it. And that's what our, our ancestors had, right? They didn't. Yes. Air travel, international air travel was not a thing for the vast, overwhelming majority of time. <laughs> exactly. I know. And we're now we, it's like, we can't live without it, but I'm like, what did they do before guys? Like, let's, let's look back a little bit. Right. Exactly. So those things start to come back to you because I, I think you're just kind of forced to slow down. Yes. And, and I, I, yeah, please go ahead, please. I, I just loved seeing, I love seeing that. I know that was, I, I it's hard to talk about the pandemic everyone had different experiences, right? And I know it's my true. experience in Wyoming was different than New York. And sometimes people get grouchy when I talk about, um, I found like, I know there was stress. I know there was bad things that happened during the pandemic. There is my caveat. I, yeah. you know, I'm not ignoring that, but I, I feel like, um, it was, a, it was a peaceful time for us as we did stay home more. And I had lots of trips canceled. I had lots of engagements canceled 
And even I'm pretty home centric to begin with, but even yeah. it forced me to become like remind myself. And it, I think it's a good thing. And, and we don't have to have a pandemic to create that right in our lives. I think even now as life starts to kind of pick up steam again, and there's more things to do, I think we can take that lesson of how do we still keep that element of peace in our lives and what we're doing and keep those skills alive. It, it was as if for most of us, we got a pause Yes. On modernity. Yes. I did not like the lockdowns. I don't want them again. I did no. not. No, 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 no. <laughs> enjoy it. I, I mean, nope. I wouldn't nope. go as, <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a good thing. What I would say is if everything has a silver lining or almost everything right. has a silver lining, and this appears to have been one of them, which is forced into the situation we were all forced into people rediscover got a pause on modern life yes and one of the insid insidious insidious <laughs> one of the insidious things <laughs> persistent things trick the the trickery of modern life is that you don't know you're living it yes until you do <laughs> does, do you, does that yeah. make sense to you it does. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons is I've shed layers of modernity, right. In my own life is you, you don't realize it. And, and it's this, uh, this, for me, it's been this process of, wait a second, what, how did we do this before industrialization right. just like dominated this sector? How did we live before this happened? And exactly asking that question has been so enlightening and honest, honestly really fun to not only dip back into history, but go, okay, wait a second. We don't have to do it this one way. There's other ways to think of this. There's other ways right. to do this. And I think that's such a powerful revelation because when you look around, most people have never considered it. Like this way that they live right this second in 2023 is the only way they've ever considered really any of humanity doing anything. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And another outcome of the lockdowns, the fear the shortages, all of this, people losing their incomes, people losing their livelihoods, people losing loved ones and not being able to be near them. I mean, all terrible things. Was, I think, a tear in the facade that, yes. th right, this way of living has always been and will always be. Yes. yes. So, like a little taste of, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't have to be a given. Right. And and I, I think for, for a lot of people, myself included, you're like, okay, well then I better prepare. <laughs> yes. I better know how to do a thing or two like my grandmother did. Yep. Right? Because we've Absolutely. been just trained out of that. So you have a, a quote on your on your website, you have a book forthcoming, Old Fashioned on Purpose. Mm -hmm. And when will that be out? Uh, September 26th. Oh, soon. Sooner than yes. I thought. Okay, We're doing so pre-orders pre now. So, yeah. All right. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes. And you say, old fashioned on purpose is a rallying cry for a more intentional, less industrial life. Yes. Which is, which is a, I thought a good dovetail because that's kind of what, it's basically what we're talking about. And, you know, the idea is that machines were supposed to make life better and industrialization was supposed to make life easier and in many ways it has, but who could have predicted all of the unhealthy negative side effects of a quote unquote easier life? Yes. 
Yes. You want to speak a little bit to that. I, I would love to. I love this discussion because I think it's another thing we don't think about. We don't, we don't really consider. Um, I heard someone say was that I was at a homestead festival this last week. And one of the speakers said that, you know, prior to industrialization, our problems were mainly external. How do I stay clothed? How do I stay warm? How do I get my food? And now our problems are internal. You know, wow, it's anxiety, it's depression, so it's modern malaise. I'm like, man, that's so accurate. So yeah. we've traded one set of problems for the other. They're both problems, right? We just get to, we, I guess I love the saying, choose your heart. Which one, which yeah. set of problems do you want? Not that they're mutually exclusive. You can have a little bit of both sometimes, but um, I think, you know, I, I, I don't live off grid. You know, I have many of the trappings of modern life. Obviously I have a fancy mic and I have a video and I have cars and I have hot water in my house and all those things. So I'm not knocking all of the fruits of industrialization, but, but I think what it's important to realize is that, you know, our culture is obsessed with ease and convenience, like at all costs, everything yep. we do, it's just like, it has to be easy. It has to be convenient. And, and we, we trade uh, a lot for that. And I think for me, as I venture deeper into this old fashioned on purpose life, I'm like, how can I be mindful of that? How can I bring meaningful challenge into my life? And and when you look at research, there's actually science and data that, that speaks to this, that kind of backs this up. Um, I've, I read an interesting study uh, as I was researching for my book about this idea of problem creep. Have you ever looked at that concept no, creep? I haven't heard that term. Yeah. C-R-E-E-P? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like okay. creeping in. Yeah. And I think that the researcher is David Lavari. And you can Google it, but yeah, he did some interesting studies where he would expose participants to certain pictures or certain concepts. And what he found is when one is kind of, it's kind of abstract, but I'll try to do my best here. When one uh, category became less, they started to consider more items in that category. So he would show people um, faces, like sketch drawings of faces, and some of them were happy and some of them looked threatening. And there was lots of in, in betweens. Okay. And what he, what he didn't tell people is as he showed them all like hundreds of pictures, he just flash them up on the screen and they'd be like threatening, non-threatening, okay. threatening. He didn't tell them that as time went on, he showed less threatening images. So they were, they were starting to see more neutral or happy faces, but what they did subconsciously, the people started to categorize more of the neutral faces as threatening in hmm. the absence of actual threat. And so what that kind of tells us, it's, it's really the definition of a first world problem, right? We joke yeah. about first world problems, but it, it's when we don't have meaningful challenge or struggle in our life, we start to think of everything as a problem. And you can so, see that oh in our gosh. culture. We could just stop us. recording right now. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop. There it is. That's the problem with all of us, I guess. <laughs> so it's everything. It's yeah. politics right now. Yeah. It's the news. It's government. It is a society that is making up problems. Yes. Because it yes. does not have enough real ones. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not that I'm saying we should go live on the prairie, you know, in a cardboard box to get some real challenge, you know, yeah. uh, but I think we do need to go where, where can I challenge myself in my life? What can I take on that will make me feel like I'm working for something? You know, that's why I garden, honestly, it's hard to grow food in Wyoming gardening takes time that I honestly don't have. I have. I'm a busy mom and an entrepreneur and I have lots of things I could do. So why do I continue gardening and weeding? Because it's meaningful challenge. It's meaningful struggle. I'm using my hands. I'm getting outside. It's all those things that it brings into my life that it, it keeps me grounded. And I think if we can take those concepts and chew on them as modern people, you don't have to go off grid or join the Amish, but how can we like bring those concept in, concepts? And I think it's a really worthy question to think on. 
Absolutely. And you, you know, you see this with young people, I think most clearly, most pronounced because they, for the most part, for the most part in this country, especially they have no struggle. Yes. Everything is handed to them. Everything is easy. Everything is comfy. There's, I mean, most kids, I don't even know if they're taking out the garbage anymore. Like yeah. something completely obvious that, you, you know, like a chore that would have been a chore back in the day that was part of your responsibility. You know, when we back in the day, not very long ago, your children helped on the farm. Yeah. If you had a business, it was a family business that me- that meant your kids had to help. And I remember, I'm just remembering right now, I posted something along this line, along these lines at one point on Instagram and some person who's, you know, just who knows out there, not well posted, (laughs) made a comment like otherwise known as child labor. Oh my gosh. Have you gotten that? Yeah. Oh, I I have a story on that. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm thinking this is what's wrong. This comment is what's wrong. I'm talking about a family unit working as a family unit, understanding that in order to survive, in order to excel, in order to get by, we have to work together and everyone has to chip in in their own way. And you're, you're, you know, equating it with um, a kid in industrial England at six years old, working in a factory from 7am to 10pm with no break in the dark. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Breathing in coal. Like, yeah, you're, you're whatever. Not down the <laughs> Those chimney, don't go right? together, but we're yeah. not doing chimney sweeps here. So here let's go. like keep yes. it in perspective. Yeah. What's your experience with that? You've, you've had yeah. comments. Um, so I recently had a video, a reel on Instagram go viral, which y'all think you want your content to go viral. And I'm like, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. It brings up the dredges of the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the video was very simple. It was short. And what we did a, a couple months ago, we decided as a family to go on a TV fast. We don't watch a lot of TV, but we just I noticed, saw that. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the winter evenings, we were just like maybe watching it three nights a week instead of doing other things. Like after supper, we'd be like, it's dark, it's cold. Let's watch a show. And we were kind of like getting into that habit and none of us oh, felt yeah. good about it. So we're like, let's just take a break. Not permanently. We're not burning the TV. It's just like, so I just posted <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't extreme, Although maybe guys. we should, but go ahead. Maybe we should. <laughs> Actually, they haven't come back on yet. We, we've still kept them off. Anyway, that's a whole oh, nother story. But impressive. what I noticed happening, my kids are already really engaged and pretty creative, but even just having those evenings where there wasn't TV as a default activity, they started creating more. Mm. They started reading more. They started, um, they taught themselves to play chess. We got this $10 game. That's like a DIY chess set. Cause I don't really care to played a lot of chess. And so they taught themselves chess. They started playing with leather and cooking more mm-hmm. and they really came alive. Even just that little difference. So I posted that it made the internet big mad. The internet got real <laughs> mad. <laughs> so People didn't like that, huh? They didn't like that. I mean, I had to be fair. I had lots of positive comments, but there was more negative comments on that than I've ever had on mm. anything. But the yeah. comments that got me the most were the child labor comments that your child, your children, you're hurting your children by not letting them watch TV. And I'm like, what, who, yeah. who says that? And it's, you're, you're making them work your child labor. And I'm like, no, did you, they're, they're doing it of their own volition. They're having, right. they, this is good for them. And then the other one that got me was that apparently there's a lot of people who think that like, we're literally on this, this high tech modern progress path we're on will be the only future there is. 
Mm. Have you ever run into folks with that kind of underlying? Yes. Thing? Yes. Yeah. 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 And, or like, they, or, or like if you don't expose your kids to the iPad when they're three, how are they ever going to learn to use it? Is that right. kind of thing too? Like they're, they're yes. not going to be prepared for the world that they're inevitably exactly. going to live in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you are hurting them. They shouldn't be learning to cook and read. They should be learning how to use technology. And I'm like, well, it's real easy for kids to learn to use technology. Ex- number one, exactly. it's like not hard. There's better at it than I am. Right. Number two, like y'all are forgetting. And this is kind of what you were saying earlier. Modernity. I feel like in this, this element of progress and what we saw in COVID, like it's kind of a shell. It's kind of a facade on top of our human experience. Mm. Maybe it will continue on the same path. Maybe we'll all fall apart at some point. Right. And I, I still hold so strongly to the fact that we are still biological beings in a natural world. We are still flesh and blood. I have not seen anyone with robot parts yet. We still have to know what food is and how to prepare food. We still need to understand soil. We still need a connection with nature. And I think it's so dangerous with this mindset of like, we're marching towards progress. We have the metaverse and we have uh, AI technology and we have all these screens. We don't need that stuff anymore. It's in the past. And I, I saw a lot of that echoed in the comments. Like your kids don't need those things. They need to know how to program and code. And I'm like, wow, guys, like you're missing. Who the- are these people? I know. I was like, where, where did you come from? Are you real? Are you real? Like, really? How you- I, but, I feel a little bit yeah. insular because I, I think I've done a really good job of surrounding myself, right. With a community of people who are like-minded Same. and that, and that includes people. I mean, I have so many people like you who live in other States. I, I doesn't mean I see them a lot, but you know, you can use technology. You can text, you can get on the phone Yeah. just to know you're you're not crazy. And to them, we're not crazy. You know, I mean, I'm texting my chicken questions, my gardening questions, my child rearing in the, you know, 21st century. Is it 21st? I think it's 21st. I don't know why that sounds funny. I haven't heard anyone say 22nd. So I think we're still 21st. (laughs) As it was coming out of my mouth, I'm like, that's right. Right. Yeah. See, great. Great point. Uh, Right. (laughs) Raising kids in the 21st century environment. Um, but I, I am with you. I think children, I have, if, if I could somehow prevent my son who's three and a half from learning technology, as well as I know he is going to, yes. despite the fact that still at this point, he does not use iPads. He does not use computers. He does not use phones. I would. Yes. I know that no matter what I do, yeah, he's going to learn how to use them. Yeah. And they're going to be a part of his life. They're going to be a part of his life. So what we are, I think, seeing now as, as the mothers of this new generation is we see the, the negative side. We can clearly see the dangers. Not only that, I mean, they're actually doing studies on them, on, on, on the negative effects of technology and they're not even burying them. (laughs) Right. I know. I know they're right there. They're right there. Yeah. Like you can read them, you can read them in mainstream papers and yet, you know, I'll still go out to restaurants and little kids like my son's age are just right on their iPads and, and eating their food. Now, every parent has to do what they need to do, but to kind of have a perspective that technology is the end all be all is really wacky to me. I agree. I think it's dangerous. Like, I think when it we is get dangerous. So far away, like, I'm like, you can't change. I mean, we can't change nature. Like we, we can yep. try. I mean, we've, we've done as much damage as we can, but like, mm-hmm. we are still 
we're still natural creatures. And so to just deny that, it feels like we're denying our humanity. It feels like it's almost like this distastefulness. Like I like kind of like angry at the natural order of things. Like I don't need it. I need screens and robots and AI. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can maybe weave those in. I'm not saying they're all bad all the time, but like right. where, when, when we completely deny that, like that's, that's a scary place to be. 100%. And also those things, like if they're going to be a part of life, you really need yeah. to have boundaries and on them. And also what, like what tradition does technology root your family in? Ooh, that's such a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Thank that's you. That's such a good, yeah. What does it give them? And I think this is what yeah. we're seeing with so many kids in, in the developed world, especially is this lack of connection, yeah. this lack of bonds with their families, with their roots. That's something that I talk yeah. about a lot on the show. I started this show because I had started another podcast that focused solely on um, Italian American heritage. And then through all of those conversations and just the more reading I had been doing, the more learning people I'd been meeting, you meet so many people where something's missing. Yes. Yes. And I, it's, it's part, it's this whole package. It is, I don't know where I come from. I don't know who I come from. I don't know what those traditions are. Like I have no roots. Yeah. I'm just bantering about like a plastic bag in the wind. You guys, I'm gonna tell you something that even all these years later still makes me cringe. And that is for many years, I didn't drink wine or eat pasta or bread. Yep, in a quest to be quote unquote healthy, I abstained from carbs and from what I knew was high levels of sugar in wine. That all changed when I discovered ancient grains like einkorn and of course sourdough. I bake a lot of sourdough bread these days and when I discovered dry farm wines. Dry Farm Wines sources beautiful, low-sugar, non-toxic, pure, organic wines from around the world, and they're grown on small family farms where people care not only about the land, but about the product that they're making. Once I discovered Dry Farm Wines, I completely changed my approach to wine drinking. We have a wine fridge here, and it is literally always stocked with bottles that I get from Dry Farm. That's why when I started Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully, partnering with them was a no-brainer. You guys, I only talk about products and items on this show that I truly believe in, that I stand behind. I give you my word. These are amazing wines, and I really encourage you to give them a try. Use the link made specifically for my listeners, dryfarmwines.com forward slash Bella Figura. And if you use the link, you will get a bottle for just a penny in your first order. Now, when you get to the site, it may seem like you don't have flexibility because they offer packages. You get six bottles of wine a month or six bottles of wine every four months. You can get a mix of white, you can get a mix of red, but 
If you want something different than what's listed on the website, they also have some of the best customer service you are gonna encounter. So if there isn't listed a combination that you want, just hop on the chat button right there or shoot them an email and they will absolutely work with you. Don't let that deter you. Give them a try. Get your bottle for just a penny in your first order. I promise you, you will not regret it. And then on top of it, we're handing them all this tech, which is by nature soulless. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, it is. You know, I know. You can use it as a tool to connect with people and reach people, but that's not the same as sitting around the table with people right. in communion. So that is something I realized was was a big thing. And people would be people would DM me or they would write me and they would have questions about, you know, how do I reconnect with with where I come from? And I just think this whole field of homesteading and learning old fashioned, quote, old fashioned ways is just a part of all of that. It's just a yeah. part of that whole attempt to reconnect. Yes, I agree. I think that's why we're seeing that explosion now, which I think is beautiful and needed and important. I mean, I don't know what I would do if this wasn't happening. <laughs> if I don't it, either. If it wasn't like, a, if there either. wasn't some kind of like path that maybe I saw could save me and my family yes. in this world. Does that, does that make sense? I, I totally agree. And I, yeah, because when, even when I dip and I don't want to sound judgmental because everyone's on their different path and no one has to look just like me. There's, you know, the standard disclaimer, but like when I, when I dip my, <laughs> when I dip into this, the standard conventional lifestyle, whether we're visiting or we're traveling or whatever, I just, it does, it feels so empty to me. Mm. You know, you, you only are getting food from the factory. You're, you're living mm. in a box like everyone else. You're going to a job you hate, you, you know, it's just like, yep. where's the passion? Where's, where's the purpose? And, and I, yeah, I'm so thankful for this. Um, I, I don't know where, I don't know what I do. I think I would be absolutely a disaster. That'd be sick. It. Yeah. I would, I would probably need to be medicated. <laughs> like honestly, because I don't, yeah. I don't think I would be, I would just yeah. be miserable. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned something earlier that got me, it might've just been what we were talking about tech and how it, it's not, we're taught that it's the end all be all that it's the future, that it's the best. Yeah. And one area I'm really like, I'm having my mind blown in lately uh, I would say for a solid, almost going on a year now, just with various things I've been going through and ups and downs and experiences is the medical field. Mm, yes. And I always talk about on the show how learning all of this stuff is like, it's like peeling an onion or the Russian doll yeah. set, right? You start here and then you, you, you realize this and then you realize this, right? So I tell people, start with getting, you know, cast iron instead of nonstick, right? Something yep. simple. You can't change yeah. everything. Don't go in and throw out your, all of your makeup, all of your beauty products, but you can little by little you, you get there. Yes. And I feel like this is my next frontier. And I've been talking about it as you know much as I can with respecting my privacy on the show. But we have this idea that modern medicine, Western medicine is a saving grace. Yes. Amen. And nothing else. Yep. And I'm I am astounded as what at, at what I'm seeing and what I'm not even seeing what I have been experiencing 
which is uh, prescriptions that cause more trouble than they yes. heal. Yep. Yep. Uh, doctors who look at you as an age, a blood test result, and dropping the ball all the time. Your care, like you're just, you're just like not a human being. Tests, diagnostic tests that fish for problems that aren't really there. Yep. On and on and on. Procedures that, again, cause more harm than good. And this is a wild place to be in if you start seeing that because, I don't know, medicine is it's the thing that saves you, right? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but also. So now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Yes. <laughs> I yes. mean, if you had this experience or I, I have in your own yes. ways. Yes. And, um, I kind of, I've had a, uh, hesitancy around it ever since I was a little girl, because my grandfather won't, won't go into all the gory details because it's a long mm. story, but in the seventies, mm. he had a procedure on his stomach and it was, you know, kind of 1970s medicine, not only like they didn't really think through the ramifications. You're like, we'll do this procedure and then you'll be fixed forever and everything's fine. And it ended up after a series of mini dominoes, when he was in his older years, his stomach basically shut down oh, because it, from a, a residual from this intervention that he didn't really need. And then he had had some knee injuries and it, he, he was very much devoted to, I love it when people call it the medical industrial or yeah, medical industrial complex. I'm like, that's, that's a great term for it. Yeah, It he sounds was, so, it sounds as scary as it can is, be. Yeah. So I'm when like, you that's use perfect. It. <laughs> <Please> <laughs> <not>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he loved modern medicine. He trusted doctors implicitly. Yeah. He loved pharmaceuticals. And so the last 10, 15 years of his life was absolute, just horrible. It oh, was so sorry. He was bedridden. He was miserable. And it, it's not that he wouldn't have had some issues naturally, but basically the bulk of his issues, he was an invalid was from this cocktail of medications he had been on. And it was right. this symptom to this symptom. And then this medication fixed this symptom. And this one made him sick and nauseated. So we had to take this one. And he was just completely did not get to enjoy the last, mm -hmm. you know, over decade of his life yeah. because of his dependence on modern medicine. And then when you get to that, a certain point, then it's like, it's kind of hard to come off of it. Right. You're almost right. like stuck. So as a little girl, I watched this and I spent a lot of time in hospitals and waiting rooms with my mom as she was trying to advocate for him. And something felt so wrong to me, even then I couldn't tell what it was, but I'm like, something's off. There's something off with this. There's something wrong. And so as, like you said, the, the onion layers began to peel mm -hmm. as I got into homesteading and questioning and, you know, digging deeper, um, it became really apparent, you know, it's great. If you are, I always say, if you're in a car accident and you have a bone sticking out of your leg, send me to the hospital. Like, absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. I want to be there. They're really good at that. But when it comes to those lifestyle diseases, those systemic issues, they're, they're really not good at it. And, and like, I haven't had a lot of huge medical issues in our immediate family. My husband has had some autoimmune stuff and some asthma, but like, even just, you can't get straight answers. You, no. you, you take them in and it's like, you know, my throat closes when I eat strawberries and they're like, okay, well try this drug. And he's like, no, I want to know why. And they're like, right. oh, we don't know why we can't help you with that. Why would you want to know that? Right. Why so are you, why are you questioning? Why are you asking? Yeah. And when you ask questions, it's mm -hmm. like, don't ask questions. What's mm -hmm. wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Sit down and shut up and just yep. take this medicine. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Don't get me started. It's, it's a, it's a whole, it, it's, a it, whole it's, it's, I, it's, it's just a bit, I'm like stuttering because I, I'm overwhelmed and it keeps going. Like I thought, yeah. I thought I had kind of hit a point where I really saw a certain issue, especially I'm like, I, I can, I think I can treat this with diet 
and yeah. uh, other healing modalities as well as herbs. And I've really been launching deeper into that. I've always kind of had that streak, you know, like you, I've always been kind of rebellious and, yeah. and a little bit on the outside, right? As as much as I'm traditional. I mean, we're like, a this is like a new breed, right? This mix yes. of- <laughs> Yes, totally. This is like very modern and independent, but also very old fashioned and traditional. But, um, but yeah, now I'm, and now I'm like dealing with some other things that are, you know, you kind of feel like you need the doctors and right. I'm like, are you guys really, do you really messing this up again? Like I'm yeah. now I'm like, where do I go? What do you know? What do I do? And the only thing you can is kind of look at what's been there forever. Yes. What did, what did women do before? Yes, exactly. And I think the problem, which I still haven't, like, I want to figure out a like thesis for this. Maybe you can help me with it. But I think that the problem is we're like, well, for instance, take childbirth. Yep. Women used to die a lot in childbirth. Yep. So now, yes, women still die in childbirth, especially in developing countries. Actually, even here. Yes, yes. But we look at it as we've improved that with modern medicine. Yeah. So then naturally by default, what our ancestors did was flawed. Yeah. And I know there's another perspective on that, but I haven't been able to figure out what my, like what the bow to wrap that up is. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think. Have you found it? it? <laughs> no, I have not. But in my perfect world, I would love if it didn't have to be either or. And I feel like we love this polarity in our culture. It's always black and white, right or left, one or the other. And I'm like, you guys, most truth exists in the middle and the gray. Mm. There's a lot of nuance to everything. It's very rare you're going to find a black and white, just bam, that's what it is. And so I, I feel like if, if we could go to a Western medicine doctor and he could go, okay, here's what you're dealing with here. You know, when I do go to the doctor, I'm like, I usually go for diagnostic. I'm like, let's do the blood test, figure out, help me figure out what you're going to label this issue yep. as. And then I'm going to go do my own research. And that's I'm where I'm at now. Her. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I don't have all like, these machines. Exactly. Let's use them. And then I'm going to kind of take what you say with a grain of salt yep. and I'm going to go talk to other people. Exactly. Which is hard and scary and sometimes exhausting because yep. you will have to be an extreme advocate for your own health. Cause I oh, yeah. don't, there's very few medical professionals that I trust implicitly. You know, we've Same. met a few naturopaths over the years. I'm like, I really like you. I feel safe with you. But you know, usually I'm like, okay, their mouth is moving. Which parts am I going to take? Which parts am I going to leave? Yep. Where's their biases? Which pharmaceutical company are they incentivized by? Yep. So there's so much to navigate, but I wish we could, our medical system could shift to where we can take our, our technology and our diagnostics and that knowledge and blend it with the age old wisdom. And it, like, I don't know, acknowledging that food has a part in our health, that would be a novel concept for people yep. to accept, you know, cause we still don't, you know, go to the modern doctors and most of them are like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you eat doesn't matter. Yep. It's no, no relation. I'm like, come on. <laughs> come on. Still, still you're saying that. <laughs> but I wish we could blend. But you know, humans, it seems like we really like our camps. We like our black yeah. and white. We just fight for that. Again, very eloquent. I think you did just kind of give me a bow to wrap this up in I that whole argument in. You're right. The the midwives that helped my my great grandmother birth my grandmother could have yeah. used some of the tools that we have today. Yes. And today the 
OB delivering the babies could use some of the wisdom that the great and skills that the, my, you know, that that midwife had. Yeah. Yes. That's it. That is a hundred percent. And I'll, I'll give you a quick story. I have a friend who's pregnant and she goes for her regular checkup, her prenatal visit, and they find a little bit of uh, bacteria in her urine. Mm. You know, and they tell her explicitly, it's just a small bit, but you're pregnant. You know, you want to be careful when you have, if it's a UTI, you don't want anything to develop. Well, in the same breath, they give her prescriptions for antibiotics. Mm. Like, it's no big deal. Like, just take the antibiotics. The benefit outweighs the risks. But you can really treat something like that very effectively yeah, without antibiotics. So why... Are you prescribing antibiotics, which have their, you must know by now, doctor, that that these antibiotics have a whole host of of other negative effects. Why would you give them to a pregnant woman? Why can't you say, we use this modern medicine to find out you have a bit of an infection, which is great because we don't want it to get worse. Here's what you should try, especially because it's not severe. Why don't you take some of the cranberry supplementations, take some baths with whatever it is, baking soda, apple cider yep. vinegar, take some really strong fe- you know, probiotics, some female herbs, and let's see if that doesn't clear it up first, which yeah. is what she did. And it did. Yep. And when she went back, they were like, no, there's no, like it was never there. Okay, great. Well, she saved herself a whole round of antibiotics and her and her unborn baby. Yes. For, yes. And, and that's the kind of insane you have to be. Totally. <laughs> and it's really hard. And like, it, there's so many pieces of that. I think part of it is our, there's a lot of people, they go to the doctor. I mean, I see it around me all the time. They have a head cold. It's a simple head cold and they don't feel good until they go to the doctor and get an yeah. antibiotic. And I'm like, it's a virus. You don't need an antibiotic for that. Mm-hmm. But the doctor gives it to them. I think just to get them off his back. Yeah. He's like, just, I know if I give you this prescription, you're just going to leave my office and I don't have to worry about you anymore. You're not yeah. going to harass me. So I think doctors feel pressure from people, but then when you are trying to be alternative, like your friends, like there is an element, I don't know if she got it, but I've had it where it, there's shaming and there's guilt when yes. you don't like, if you're like brave enough to go, I'm going to treat this with cranberry and herbs. They're like, oh really? And then they yeah. like <laughs> browbeat you. And it that's yeah. real. you have to be, you're putting your baby at risk. You're yeah, you're this, you're that. Your, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to be mm-hmm. like, you have to have some backbone, which has taken me a while to develop to yeah. like, look them in the eye and go, I don't care yep. what you think this is my health. So yeah, there's a lot of pieces there. It gets really sticky. It gets really sticky. And I have been learning, you know, as being a, a new mom and and just getting older, I think it is honing your chops and your backbone yeah. and and having community, like being able to speak yes. with other mothers like you and other women like you who are who are see it the same way is so vital because yeah. as I've mentioned before on the show, some of like my mother. And my mother's not too bad in that respect because she's kind of old school as well. And she doesn't like to take a lot of medications. Like she complains, like every time I go to the doctor, she just wants to give me more pills. I'm not taking the pills. You know, she tries, but she's also the type who'll be like, well, did you take him to the doctor? Well, I'm like, my, he's got a stuffy nose. No, I didn't take him to the doctor. What am I going to take him to the doctor for? Right. Right. It's just stressful. It just makes things worse. Like I need to clear his nose I need to help him clear his nose. We need yep. to work on it. And and I and I think one thing too I've learned last season I did uh the theme was slow down. Mm-hmm. And I just realized the theme is beauty and we haven't really like focused. Oh. Yeah. 
on that, which is We've fine. Good ground, I, though. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, totally. I don't think anyone will mind, but I do like to uh, like attempt to incorporate yeah. the theme. But whatever, everything we just talked about is beauty. But uh, the theme was slow down, and one really light bulb moment I had was realizing that treating your sicknesses and your ailments without a pill is another way of slowing down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's another push against this uh, system, society, zeitgeist that is like fast, quick, easy. Yes. Amen. Yes. And if we can like the minute that clicked for me, I was like, oh, I'm doing this. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It just now I'm really doing well. this. You're just like it's like this is the missing piece. <laughs> yes, yep. because the the this is like society wants you to take the quick pill. It wants mm-hmm. you right. Oh, the powers that be like yeah. they want you dependent on that, and then they promise you this quick fix. Yeah. And you know, a pill is easier. It it is, and that's the that's the temptation. Even yep. even when you know better. Yep. It is easier. And like, I, I think about it every time I have a fever, right? Cause I know that a fever is my body's way mm-hmm. of, of killing off the bad bugs. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing within reason, obviously 107 sure. degrees isn't great, but right. like within reason. And yeah. so I always have that conversation with myself. Okay. Do I take an ibuprofen to knock the fever down? So I don't feel uncomfortable. Right. Or right. do I feel discomfort for maybe a, a few more hours, but then I get, I kick the cold quicker ultimately and more effectively because I let my body do its work. And so even now I'm always like, it's I temptation. I want to be comfortable, but yeah, yeah, it's, it takes more thought, which and like you said, in our culture, it's easy, convenient, quick above all else. That's what we exalt. So it's right. You have to push get back rid of the fever, that. get back yep. to work, get back to get, work. Yeah. Right. Get rid of the fever, get back to partying or whatever it is we do yep. go to the, like going out to dinner. Yeah. And, and it is hard and we're not accustomed to that slow, you know, if you're going to take herbs, or a flower extraction that yeah. you made, you have to take it every hour or two. Yes. That's the other piece. Not a six hour. Six right. Hours, you no, don't take, yeah. exactly. You don't take a pill <laughs> and it lasts for four hours or six hours, but you get the benefits of that flower and you get the yeah. benefits of that herb. And with the pill, you don't you don't, not only do you not get benefits, there are side effects. And I, right. right? Like, I think until yeah. you start to see, like that happened to me, I had never really experienced side effects from pharmaceuticals until I did. Yep. And then I was like, whoa, this is what people are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. This is a big deal. It is a big deal. And this, the scariest part to me in that is I think when people I hear it so often. They they go on the medication and they start having the side effects and they don't ever go, wow, maybe I, I'm going to rethink this. Maybe there's another path. I don't like these side effects. I hear people just sit with the side effects. Yeah. Right. I feel like garbage because of this yeah. thing I'm on, but I'm, I'm just going to stick yeah. with it or I'm going to go get another pill. And I'm like, wait, 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 or wait, that. I'm not a doctor, but maybe, maybe yeah. there's another path, but it, it, it is, it takes a lot more work to kind of sort that it out. It does. It is intentional. Yeah. And so this is hard for everybody. You know, we're all like trying and you're, you're just trying to live your life and it's so much easier to just trust the doctor in a way because then you don't have to become a doctor. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know. And personal responsibility. I feel like so much of this, it's it's almost funny in a sick, twisted yeah. way. Like here we have this world that is like, we'll take 
you know, corporations, the, the systems, the industrialization, we'll take all the responsibility for you. We got you. Just give mm-hmm. us some dollars. Mm-hmm. We'll take care of it. Don't think, just don't mm-hmm. think we got you. But people like you and I, and your, and your listeners were like, uh, no, we're going to take extreme personal responsibility down to the medications we're taking, the food yep. we're eating. We're going to just put ourselves out entirely of convenience to take that personal responsibility. And so it's such, it's such a crazy contrast. It um, really is. Just, we're psychotic. Insane. We're psychotic <laughs> in the best of ways though. <laughs> so. so Jill, we've been speaking for an hour and I feel like I haven't even spoken to you about your, your kind of top things, just like, you know, cooking from scratch and homesteading and soil and we talked about homesteading but you know like the specifics like gardening but I like to think that you talk about those so much on people's shows that maybe this was refreshing this was actually really refreshing (laughs) no like seriously I like those things I'm good at those things but like these this deeper this is like my this is my heart topic like I I love it I love it yes I'm so glad to hear that that really makes me happy yeah I, I do try to do that because I I you know, I do listen to other things, obviously. And you can tell people have a, if you hear, listen to somebody on one show or yes. sorry, w- right. One person on several shows, people tend to ask them the same things, you know, totally. So yeah. if you want to yeah. hear those things from Jill, she has her blog. She has other shows. It's out there. It's out I took there. it where I usually do. Yes. So thanks for coming with me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love the deep. I'll go deep anytime. Oh, anytime. that's all. You're yeah. my people. You're my yep. people. Everybody yep. knows that. So as we wrap up here, as I do want to be mindful of your time, can we talk a little bit about your book, Old Fashioned on Purpose. And you, um, again, I pulled this from your website. You look like, it looks like you got it down to like eight tenants of an old fashioned, old fashioned on purpose life. Among them, growing your own ingredients, cooking from scratch, working with your hands, escaping the human zoo, which I wanted you to talk about. Maybe Mm -hmm. next time you come back on when it's out. Unplugging from tech, treading the earth lightly, parenting the old fashioned way and cultivating community, which we, we did actually speak about. Yes, we did. So can you just talk a little bit about what you're kind of hoping to get across with this book and, you know, maybe what you're hoping it does when it reaches people? Yeah. So this has really been, I mean, it's kind of cliche for an author to say the book's their baby, but this is really like, I feel like my personal manifesto to the world. It's mm. so much, honestly, so much of what we talked about today. It's, it's not a how-to book. I've been be, been known for how-to. The cookbook was a hit. I love the cookbook, but this is more philosophy. This is more higher level. And That's so great. each of those chapters is less about how to grow food or how to cultivate community. Although there is some practical pieces because mm-hmm. I mean, we all like the practical, but it's really just that psychology piece about why, why, why do we do this? Why should we right. do it? Why did we leave it in the first place? I think that's a really fascinating question. It is, you know, when you start to understand why we left, we can kind of understand how to come back, mm. but it's for the homestead minded person, but it's not necessarily everyone should move to Wyoming and buy a milk cow. This is how do we distill down these timeless principles? Like we said, I don't care what tech does. I don't care what AI does the metaverse. We need this stuff, y'all. Like we mm-hmm. cannot leave this behind. We cannot afford to just shove it in the back closet. So how do we take those principles, distill them down and bring them forward into the future? Whatever the future may hold. I don't know. It could be wild. It could be not. Um, but that's really the, the impetus of the book is, is that, and there's, I have lots of personal stories. There's some really interesting data. I I nerd out a little bit on certain sections, but I'm excited. I hope it, it brings a group of people into this set of ideas that maybe wouldn't have thought about it before. I love it. I'm looking forward to getting my copy. Um, I'm going to pre-order it actually, now that I know it's available for pre-order and, um, 
And I obviously that's what I'm doing on the show. I love the philosophy behind all of this as much as the practicality, because a lot of this stuff can be hard, right? You know, I'm going out to check on my chickens. I'm cleaning the coop. We're doing all these things. And and you can have that modern voice that says, why am I doing this? It's not really cheaper. It's It's not. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's it's not. It's really not. (laughs) It's not um, less work. That's for sure. Yeah. But if you know what you're doing by doing it, yeah. the bigger picture of of what it means and the tradition you're doing it in and what it connects you to, both your own people, we talk a lot about ancestors, you know, both those that are not blood related and those that are. I come from a long line of people who, who had chickens, right? Who yeah. worked the land. And for me, that it's a connection to them. And I feel like a better human yes. being. Yes. That's all I can say. I just yes. do. And now seeing my son who lo- he he like runs those chickens. He's got this. He's like he checks on the eggs. He asks keeps asking me all day long to go out and check yeah. on them. And then he gathers them into the basket. He closes the co- It's his thing. Yes. And then he's got to check on the garden. We got to see what's growing. So like I'm gi- now I'm giving him something that he has in his blood. And that is everything. Like that is everything. Like what is better than that? I can't think of anything better. And I think, you know, that's what I always feel like I'm kind of sneakily indoctrinating people. I'm like, yeah, just start growing some stuff. Just just try to spread. I know what's going to happen next. You won't get hooked. It's okay. You're going to feel all the feelings and then you're going to get obsessed. So that's all. Just start the bread. (laughs) It's exactly right. You know, so, so you're, you're, the point in that is the philosophy behind it, the spirituality behind it. Yes. You know, yes, chickens are great food. They ma- they give you eggs and eggs are so nutritious and I use them and we love them and they're beautiful. Yeah. But there's a bigger... There's a bigger picture. Yeah. There's a bigger picture. It's so much bigger. And it's even hard to quantify it. I tried in the book, but I just know you feel it. Like you said, you feel the connection to your ancestors. Your mm-hmm. son feels that he knows there's something that feels good about yeah. this. Yes. There's something that is drawing him. And he doesn't, I mean, he's, what'd you say, three and a half? Yeah. He can't verbalize it. He hasn't read Michael Pollan no, and Wendell no. Berry, but he knows, he knows it feels good. So yeah, leaning into that is yeah. so good. It's so and the good. way he, he is out there, yeah. it's like, it's, you can see that it's in him. Yes. Yeah. It's like an ownership of it. Like, a, like a, he's like a little man. Yep. Like yep. It reminds me of like my father and my grandfather out there and he's only three. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it lights something up. Inside of us. I know it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, there, it's there's beautiful. Beauty. Well yeah, done, go. Jill. <laughs> Which of course is it. the theme. Yes. 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 Jill, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I'm so grateful you Lovely. took the time to speak with me. Oh, this has been a blast. Thank you for getting into the, the nitty gritty. This is just like lights my soul on fire. So thank you for this. Thank you for joining me for episode eight of season four. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Jill and I. We have a couple more episodes to go, and then this season will be all wrapped up. Find me over on Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. Shoot me a DM. Email me at Dolores at BellaFigurapodcast.com with your thoughts and any show ideas you'd like me to pursue. I love hearing from all of you.
Be sure to subscribe to the show if you aren't already. If you're listening on your phone on Apple, it's that little arrow in a circle at the top right-hand corner of your screen. And if you do that, you will get new episodes downloaded automatically and you'll know when there's new content. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power.